What's happening, everyone? Welcome to a brand new episode of Total Football Club brought to you by the Blue Wire Hustle Network. My name is Alex Perez. Today, I am flying solo because my partner, Chris Sued, could not make it to the show. But we have a lot of cool stuff for you in the next couple of weeks, so stay tuned. Follow him on Twitter at ChrisSoloDolo underscore. That is Chris, S-O-L-O-D-O-L-O underscore follow him he's a very happy Chelsea fan because his team won seven nothing this weekend you can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Alex Perez FC follow the show on Instagram on Twitter on Facebook at Total Foot Club and you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast on Spotify on YouTube wherever you get your podcast from chances are we are there We have a pretty brief show for you all this week. We're really only going to talk about, or I'm really only going to talk about El Clasico because that was the marquee game of of this weekend, even though, of course, Manchester United was demolished by Liverpool at Old Trafford 5-0. I'm sure in the coming days, in the coming weeks, there will be some sort of news coming out of Old Trafford. But regardless, we'll leave that Whenever we actually get the news. Let's talk about El Clasico. Let's just dive right into the meat of the show. This was the first Clasico without Ronaldo or Messi in either squad in, what, almost 20 years? It's a long time. Really, the the, the last time that I can remember that Lionel Messi wasn't in the Barcelona, in the senior squad, was the 03-04 season. It's, it's what, 18 17, 18 years, 19 years, give or take. I can't do math. I'm just going to go with with about 18 years. It's been a long time. It's been a really, really long time. But I will say this about Sunday's game. It lived up. It lived up to the hype. I liked it. I thought that it was a very, very fierce game. And there are very few games, very few events in sports that have the same amount of intensity that a Clásico has. Very few games have you on the edge of your chair throughout the entire or the entirety of of the game. El Clasico is one of those events. You cannot go anywhere. You can't go to the bathroom. You can't go to the kitchen to get a snack. You have to stay in front of your TV or if you're at the stadium, if you're lucky enough to be at the stadium, you have to be in your seat for all 90 minutes or else you're going to miss something. Something always happens. But Before we talk about the winner, before I talk about Real Madrid and and give them their flowers, give them their praise, because that was a huge win for them, and I'm sure in May they're going to be happy that that, that they got those three points at Camp Nou this past Sunday. I want to talk about Barcelona, because that is the team that I know the most about, and that is the team that, I'll just be completely honest, that is the team that I was watching a little more this past Sunday. And let me just start it off on a positive note, because I thought that Barcelona actually played quite well. And to be fair, I think it is very fair to mention that my expectations for this Barcelona team weren't very high. And I think a lot of people share that feeling. 
expectations weren't necessarily all that high for Barcelona. And then you look at the lineup and you see a 17-year-old midfielder starting in 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 a clásico in the most important game or, or one of the two most important games of your season he starts and of course the expectations aren't necessarily as as high but i do think that barcelona played quite well and i will also say this even though they played well as soon as they conceded the first goal i didn't think that they could get more than a draw because this barcelona team especially this one this season isn't necessarily a team that comes back from behind and sure you might try to throw me some evidence that oh well they came back against Valencia sure but they responded fairly quickly and it's also Valencia no no disrespect to them Valencia is a, a big Spanish team Spanish team sorry but Real Madrid is and it hurts it pains me to say this but Real Madrid is the biggest team in Spain and and I would almost say that there's no doubt about that but Let's break down a little bit of Barcelona's performance. I thought that they possessed the ball quite well. And they pressed Real Madrid very high up the pitch. Especially in those first 25-30 minutes of the game. 25-30 minutes of the first half. I thought that they pressed Real Madrid very well. They didn't let them build from the back. There was there was no sustained possession from Real Madrid. Although Real Madrid's game isn't necessarily built on keeping the ball, and building a play from the back. But regardless, Barcelona gave them no chance whatsoever in those first 30 minutes. I I really thought that they played well. And then in the first half of those, of those last 45 minutes, I'd say like the first 20 minutes of the second half, Barcelona, especially when Philip Coutinho came on, there was a bit of a spark to this Barcelona side. But I think that Barcelona has some really, really big problems. And the first one, in my opinion, Barcelona needs a number nine. They need a guy that can finish. They need a guy that is lethal in front of goal. And I get it. People may say that they had Luis Suarez already. And Barcelona did have Luis Suarez. And he scored plenty of goals for Barcelona. We all remember those goals. And and he scored some bangers. We all know that. But he's not here anymore. He doesn't play for Barcelona anymore. He plays elsewhere. So we can't dwell on the past. Barcelona needs a new striker. They need a new number nine. Memphis Depay had an off day on Sunday. And it wasn't... I'm starting to think that this isn't a coincidence. And I'm not a big believer in coincidences. But I'm starting to believe that this is who Memphis Depay is. He shows up whenever he wants to. And... For the most part, he shows up in games that aren't against the bigger sides. Anyway, that's besides the point. I don't want to make this about Memphis Depay. I want to talk about Barcelona in general. And I do think, going back to that point, they need a number nine. This team needs a number nine. But before they can even get to addressing that issue at number 9 or as a at at the striker position Barcelona needs a guy that can play a killer through ball. They don't have that guy from the midfield at least. They and and that's where I think they lack that that player. They lack a player in the midfield that can play a killer through ball because Philip Coutinho he can't do it mainly because he doesn't play in the midfield. They they, they play him in that attacking third of the pitch. 
And I don't think he would be very comfortable playing in a in a three-man midfield where Gavi would play, for example. I don't think that's Philip Coutinho's best role. I think he plays best as a number 10. But even, even so, he was playing as a number 10 at, at times in this game. And he wasn't looking all that great. I know it's difficult to come into a game 45 minutes in. You come in as a sub. You have to get into the rhythm of your teammates and your opponents. But still... When you come with that price tag, the, the expectations are massive. The expectations are huge. And this Barcelona team, or sorry, the, uh, Philip Coutinho came into this Barcelona side and he gave him a bit of a spark, but it wasn't enough. And I, and I do think that there won't be a, a modification of the system for Barcelona, especially not when Ronald Koeman is, is at the helm. I, I don't think that they will transition into a different formation. But Barcelona lacks that guy in the midfield that can play a killer ball, a killer through ball. Can it be Gavi? Can it be Pedri? Could be. They're young. They're 17 and 18. They're young kids. They could develop into that kind of player. But as of right now, they don't have that in the midfield. Another huge problem that Barcelona has is on that right side, both defensively and on the attack. But I think defensively a little more. Because Barcelona or Ronald Koeman lined up Oscar Mingueza as a right back. He's not it. He simply isn't it. He is a player that will give his all throughout all 90 minutes or however long he plays a game. But he's just not that good. He's just he, he's not good enough for a Barcelona side. He simply isn't good enough for this Barcelona side. And you can really chuck up all of the fault to Oscar Mingueza on that first goal because he was caught way out of position. Way, way, way out of position. And David Alaba did his thing. We know how great he is. But he was caught way out of position. And then, let's say Oscar Mingueza doesn't play. Well, Serginho Dest is supposed to be the starting right back for Barcelona. But he's not even playing in his position. He's playing in another position where Barcelona is having issues. So if he can't even crack a starting role in his natural position, well then he's he's clearly not the best option. He's clearly not not the number 1 in this Barcelona side in in that position. And then of course you play Sergio Roberto and I just think that Sergio Roberto is a uh, he's He's a fill-the-gap kind of player. He can't be your permanent solution. And I know he's not going to be the permanent solution. He's almost 30 years old. And he just... He had that one season where he was put at right back because Dani Alves was hurt and Barcelona had no other options whatsoever. And he just... He was kind of just adopted as the right back. But we all know that that's not his position. And we know that he's not a very speedy player. So what do you do with him? You, you put him in when you really, really, really have to. So Barcelona has, in their squad right now, they have no options at right back. Or no real good options at right back. And then you go a little bit further up the pitch, and you see that they don't really have a right winger either. Yusuf Demir could be a right winger. Yes, but he's also, what, 18 years old? And he hasn't played much. Sure, you can make the same argument about about Gavi that he's that he's young, but he's played quite a lot this season. Whereas Yusuf Demir, I only remember him playing against Cadiz 
and that's it. And they pulled him 45 minutes into the game. They pulled him at halftime. They pulled him at halftime, and he didn't finish the game. So Barcelona has a huge problem on the right side of the pitch, especially defensively. But attacking-wise, it's not pretty because they're playing Serginho Dest. And sure, Serginho Dest was a he was a very good right winger, right attacking or, or, or right forward in in the youth teams that he played for. But that's not the position that Barcelona bought him for. Barcelona brought him in to play as a right back, and he doesn't crack it as as a right back. So so what? I mean, what's the point? What is the point? the The only real the only real positive thing to this Barcelona team or to this problem is that Usman Dembele is going to come back. Hopefully he comes back healthy and fit and he can string five, six, seven matches without getting hurt. Hopefully more because if he can't, then what do you do? It's a contract year for him. So he's also going to want to renew. He's going to want more money maybe or he's going to want more years at Barcelona. And then what do you do? That's, it's a huge problem. It's a big problem. And maybe Barcelona has something for the future with, with Yusuf Demir. But as of right now, it it's just, it's all faulty on that right side of, of the pitch. And now let's, let's really, let's talk about certain moments in the game that, in my opinion, really changed the trajectory of of this game. And it has to be Serginho Dest's miss. Serginho Dest with that miss in the 30th minute or so, it was huge because everyone knew if Barcelona doesn't score here, I don't know if they're going to create many chances. I it, it it didn't feel like they were going to create many chances and I said this earlier right now. I said that Barcelona as soon as they conceded a goal, it just didn't feel like they were gonna they were gonna get more than a draw. It felt like a draw was gonna be the most that they were aspiring for. And that's not what a Barcelona team should be aspiring for in a Clásico. When ten years ago they would win them five nothing, six two, whatever the case may be. Point is that they would beat the crap out of Real Madrid. Granted, completely different squad. We're talking about a historical team that would beat Real Madrid that bad compared to this struggling, youthful, and a bit disoriented Barcelona. But Serginho Dest missed right before Real Madrid scored, and Gerard Pique missed right after Real Madrid scored. So it was just... It was devastating for Barcelona. It felt like it was very devastating, and it felt like they weren't really going to recover from from those two misses. Um, but I want to... I want to give some praise to a guy that that got a little bit of he got a little bit of 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 flack from from us last week when when we had Jose on the podcast. Shout out to Jose Guzman. I'm sure he didn't like this result. Neither did I. Uh, but shout out to him. We were talking about Eric, Eric Garcia, and we were talking about how he isn't necessarily a player that 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 we enjoy much. He's not a guy that we like that much. But I will say this. I think he played an okay game. I'm, I'm not even going to go out on a limb and say that he played a great game because he didn't. I don't think anyone in Barcelona played a great game. But I think 
that Eric Garcia wasn't necessarily at fault for the goals. I feel like Oscar Mingueza is the guy to blame. If if there's anyone to blame, it's Oscar Mingueza to blame in that in that first goal. And then in the second goal, I don't know. I, I feel like losing the ball like that, I, I believe it was Memphis Depay who, again, didn't have a great game. Memphis Depay losing the ball the way that he did. And it was the 86th, no, it was like the 89th minute already. The game was pre- practically over. I didn't expect Eric Garcia to get all the way back. We know he's not the fastest player. We know he's not the strongest player. I just didn't expect them to win that one-on-one duel against Lucas Vasquez when the ball rebounded and it fell pretty much in no man's land, and Lucas Vasquez beat Eric Garcia to the punch. I expected that. I expected Eric Garcia to lose that, but other than that, I think that he made a couple interferences, and, and he he really he really showed that he can be good. He's also 20 years old. That's the one thing to me that, that makes me hopeful about Eric Garcia's future. I, again, just to reference what Jose was saying, last week he said that he reminds him a lot of Gerard Pique because of the choices that were made in their careers where they go to Manchester and then they come back and then they 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 become starters at Barcelona but even though I'm not a huge Gerard Pique fan I think that Gerard Pique once it's all said and done will be a better a better center back or will be remembered as a better center back than Eric Garcia. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully uh, some uh, Eric Garcia proves me wrong and he becomes an excellent, a stud center back because Barcelona really, really needs, a, <laughs> they really need a center back. They've needed one for 10 years and they haven't addressed it. It's beyond me. I talked about that last week. I don't want to get too much into that, but credit to Eric Garcia. I think he played a good game. Good game is probably the most I will say about Eric Garcia's performance this Sunday. But at least the goals weren't his fault. And at least he wasn't having atrocious mistakes that Ter Stegen had to, had to completely put his body on the line to, to save Eric Garcia from humiliation. And then just to address Memphis and Ansu Fati, uh, Ansu Fati, I feel like he didn't necessarily have a good game. His game wasn't, it wasn't really great. I can't remember anything great or it, there's nothing memorable that, that he did in this game. I, I don't think that there was anything memorable that he did in this game. And I think that he's still trying to recover from an injury. He's still coming back. He's young too. We know that his birthday's coming up. He'll be 19 in a few days. I'm sure Barcelona will be okay. When it comes to the Ansu Fati situation, Ansu Fati will be fine. Ansu Fati, he had an off day. It's his first Clásico, if I'm not mistaken. So, with that being said, I can't really give him much flack. I can't, I can't criticize Ansu Fati much because I feel like he's going to be a huge bright spot for this Barcelona side in the next few seasons, especially in Clásicos. And, and the good thing about these Clásicos is that there's another one in March. And we can continue to move forward. But again, Memphis Depay, I I can't help but to feel a little concerned. Because again, he's the number nine. He was the star signing this the this uh this summer, and it just hasn't panned out 
in big games against Bayern, against uh, against Real Madrid, against Valencia. He didn't really do much either, but it could just be first season jitters. I don't know. Barcelona is a huge platform. We know how that goes, but yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to feel good about a loss, but I'm uh, I'm also not gonna feel. I'm not going to feel horrible about this because, again, the expectations weren't huge for Barcelona. Let's talk about Real Madrid now. It took me 20 minutes to get to the winners. Um, I, I I, just I have to give credit to Real Madrid because these guys are so incredibly gritty. They're so savvy. They're such veterans that they know when to attack. They pick and choose when to attack. And I feel like those are things that only grizzled vets can do. And this Real Madrid team is full of grizzled vets. They have guys like Thibaut Courtois. They have Lucas Vazquez. David Alaba. Casemiro. They have... who Who's their left back? Furlan Mendy, even though he didn't really play a, a great game. But they have Luka Modric, Toni Kroos. They were, they were non-factors. In the midfield, Luka Modric, Tony Kroos, especially Tony Kroos. But they have a veteran experience that very few players in Barcelona's side do, and they use that to their advantage. Like I said, Barcelona didn't let Real Madrid build anything from the back. But Real Madrid didn't need to build anything from the back because they just waited for an opportunity and they countered a slow Barcelona defense, and especially when a guy like Oscar Minguez is giving you all this space, and, and you have a guy like Vinicius who played an excellent first half. I'm sure Oscar Minguez is having nightmares about about Vinicius. And well, well, when you have a guy like Vinicius, it just it it becomes very difficult, very difficult to contain those counters. And Real Madrid, it just feels like it really feels like they score at will. In these Clásicos. They. It just feels like they pinpoint like the 30th minute. The 35th minute. And. They'll score a goal. Because they can do that. Because they have more talent than Barcelona. And because they use their veteran. Experience. It might be saying the same thing. They use their grit. And. Their experience. To their advantage. And they know how to use it to their advantage. That's the thing. They know how to use it to their advantage. And this is why they are so damn good. This is why they won the Clásico this this past Sunday. That's why they won it uh, back in April. That's why they won it last October. And that's why they won it March 2020. Because they have more experience. And they have more talent. And they know how to use it. They don't overcomplicate anything. They don't overcomplicate anything. We'll give you guys the ball. We'll let you guys possess. You guys pass, 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 pass as much as you want. But as soon as we get the ball and one of our wingers is making a run and we know that your fullbacks are not going to catch up, we're going to play that through ball. We're going to split your defense like knife through butter. And you better be ready to pick up the ball from the back of the net because it is inevitable. It is inevitable. And that goal by David Alaba, oh my goodness, that that is 
one of the best goals I have ever seen. And I don't necessarily say it because of the finish. I say it because of the entire buildup. David Alaba was the one that took the ball away and he made the run. What left-sided center back decides to make a run like that? To be fair, though, to, to be very fair to David Alaba, he is positionless. So <laughs> he would have done it playing any position. He, he would have done it regardless because he's that talented and he's he's that smart, too. And he believes in himself that much to make a run like that, to, uh, to, to leave so much space in behind him because he knows that he was going to finish. He knew that. He knew that he was going to finish. And, and he finished that beautifully with a rocket, impossible for, for, for Ter Stegen, simply impossible for, for the German goalkeeper. And that was a great finish by David Alaba. And, and then even in, in the counter for the second goal, again, you counter a team that has been attacking or that has been possessing all game long. They're tired. They're frustrated. They have no options. Or they don't seem to have any clear options. I mean, they are all, all of them, all of them are going to to go up. And they're going to want to score. That's just more space for your wingers to cover. That's just more space for your, winger, for, for your wingers to run into. And sure enough, they did it. Because that's what Real Madrid does. They counter really well. And credit to them. They, they know what they're good at. They stick to it. They don't overcomplicate it at all. And they win games like these. That is what will win you a Clásico. That is exactly what will win you a Clásico. The mind, the grit, the experience, knowing when to attack, knowing how to attack, being cautious when needed. Real Madrid did it to perfection yesterday, um, or by the time you listen to this, last Sunday. And again, it, it, it sucks to admit, but Real Madrid, they... They simply are the more talented team. And it feels like they know what they're doing. It feels like they know what they're doing. And even though Barcelona played a decent game, it still doesn't seem like they know what they're doing. Whereas Real Madrid, they know what they're doing. They know that at some point they're going to hit their stride. And I just feel like Real Madrid needs a bit of consistency. If they can be consistent, if they can not drop points against Espanyol or against... uh, any other small team in the Champions League or whatever the case may be, I feel like this Real Madrid team can be set up to win a league, to win a Champions League, to win a Copa del Rey, whatever whatever the case may be, I feel like they have the squad, they have the depth to be champions of any competition that they participate in this season. Okay, well, that'll wrap it up. I didn't even talk about Luke de Jong. I, I didn't talk about certain substitutions because... Luke de Jong, not worth my time. Uh, Ronald Koeman, not worth my time. It's it's just bad. I know that it's going to end at some point. I will say this, though. Right, uh, I'm going to finish up in a bit, but I will say this. What they did to Ronald Koeman's car, what, what some fans, air quotes, if you're only listening to this, I did air quotes with my fingers. What certain fans did to Ronald Koeman's car, what the the way that they abused him as he was leaving the stadium, it is shameful. It is ridiculous. One thing is to not like the way that his team performs, and, and one one thing is to not agree with the way that his team plays or the ideology or the lack of ideas of his side. But another completely different thing is to vandalize. <laughs> there there was people hitting the car. 
they they were hitting the hood they were kicking the bumper they were spitting on it that's vandalism that is heavily frowned upon and i feel like that is something that should be punished um barcelona tweeted about that they they condemn all of those actions as they should all right ladies and gentlemen that'll do it enough of talking about barcelona's loss uh i'm a professional though i can get over it i can get over it i i got over it as soon as the whistle blew because i knew that i had to talk to you guys and i had to inform you about what i had to say about this game that'll do it for me thank you so much for listening we'll be back next week yeah as always next week next uh next tuesday hopefully you enjoyed my rant about el clasico chris hopefully we'll be back for next week but for now that is it thank you so much everyone take care goodbye